The first reading is from Numbers, the 21st chapter. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmody for today is from Psalms 107, verses 1 through 9. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. The second reading is from Ephesians, the second chapter. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not by your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created, Christ, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Jesus said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that, he, that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. 
because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everyone loves a good love story, don't, don't we? Most love stories that we read about or see in the movies start out with a beautiful meeting between two people. Then there's some kind of breakup in the relationship and then an epic coming back together again. When my husband Craig and I met in college, there were many breakups and makeups that happened along the way, but some of our friends probably thought too that we would never make it. Even the pastor we did our premarital counseling with told us that our marriage wouldn't last. Craig being Catholic and me being Lutheran and all. Yet here we are almost 33 years later, basking in our marital bliss. Well, most of the time. But no matter how many times we argue or fuss at each other, it's the coming back together that is the sweetest, most important part because of the hope and the beauty and the restoration it brings. Do you ever wonder why God chose to bring you and your significant other together? Or maybe you're wondering who God will bring into your life and when. Love stories, they come in all shapes and sizes. Some end beautifully and some end very tragically. But where does our love story really begin? How about in the beginning? Both Genesis and the Gospel of John begin with these three simple words, in the beginning. In Genesis, we hear how God made us and knows us. In John, we hear how God brought Jesus to us as the light of the world, who loves us in the most unique way we will ever know. You see, God took time to fashion each and every human being with distinct DNA, gifts, and talents long before we were ever even a thought in our parents' minds. And he loved us from the beginning. Our gospel lesson this morning reveals this great love. It happens to be the most well-known Bible verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave up his only son. I don't know about you, but this human has a very hard time understanding how you can love this world so much that you would give up your child for it. If anything, I would die for my child in this world, but could I die for just anyone? I have a hard enough time giving up things like my time and money for others. Why? Because I'm a selfish, prideful, and fearful human being. 
because I don't always have faith and trust that God will provide, even though I have proof throughout time that God continually provides, just like he did for the Israelites. Our Old Testament lesson today in Numbers takes place right after God answered the Israelites' prayer to defeat the Canaanites in battle. Yet on their journey, for the seventh time, they became impatient and started complaining again about the food and about Moses and how God is leading them into the wilderness to die. No matter how many times God has helped them along the way, they seem to forget, lack faith and trust that God will provide, and they turn away. Because of their sinfulness, God sends poisonous serpents that bite and even kill some of the people. So what do they do? They turn to Moses and ask him to pray to God for them. They know they've done wrong, yet they don't turn to God themselves, but rather they ask Moses to intercede for them. We all want God to answer our prayers. I think most of us in this room believe in the power of prayer. But when it comes down to our own individual lives and our own problems, we often don't have the faith to believe God will answer or Maybe more often, we don't trust in the answers we receive. The times we are living in are difficult. We are often trapped by our unbelief and fear, just like the Israelites. They experienced the wrath of God and were fearful. But how does God respond? Out of love. He had mercy and he healed. He told Moses to make a bronze serpent and to put it on a pole and place it in the center of their camp where the people are to look at it and they would be healed. Now this occurs shortly after the Ten Commandments are given to the people of Israel and they're told to have no graven images. So why the bronze serpent on the pole? Isn't that the sort of image that God just said not to have? What I think is happening here is that God is not asking the people to worship the bronze serpent, but rather he's asking them to be obedient. Listen to and do what God asks them to do. Turn and look. But even more importantly, he's asking them to believe and have faith. The bronze serpent is an image of the people's sin. Its poisonous bite will draw the people further and further from God. God wants them to recognize the sin, acknowledge it, and accept the free gift of healing and forgiveness that only God himself can give. Be obedient. Turn to God. Believe in his unconditional love and be healed. Jesus references this wilderness incident in our gospel lesson, foreshadowing what is to come in the near future. Jesus said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Just like the bronze serpent in the wilderness, Jesus' body on the cross, the very location of God's glory, is the most incredible eye-opener of the gospel. Rather than actively judging, Jesus hangs to be looked upon by those who dare face the dreadfulness of the sin of the world that caused the lamb to die. Yet rather than despair, this site is also the place of life 
the sign of God's profound love for his creation. All God asks for is the people to believe, trust, and have faith that Christ is their salvation. That they may see God's unending love for them through Christ, the light of the world. That through his suffering and death, he would defeat sin, death, and the devil, and shine upon all who believe eternal life. A free gift that can't be earned. Jesus is the light of the world, a light that exposes truth all around him. But that truth is not all beautiful and is often very dark. Have you ever experienced complete darkness, physical darkness of being in a room with no windows and no light, pitch blackness, where you can't even see your hand if you put it in front of your face? It's a feeling like no other. And no matter how wide you open your eyes, you can't see a thing. Where there is no light, fear and hopelessness creep in. Darkness can consume us in many different ways. It shows up in our human mistakes, our wicked thoughts, and often in hatred that is prompted by selfishness and fear. But even the smallest light exposing these failures shines a light on God's unending love and work on our behalf. God sent Christ into this world to be that light for us, to calm our fears and to help us see. When we turn our eyes to Christ and accept our failings alongside God's love, we also see the cross where life is freely given. Christ's ministry, his life and death, is the example we are to follow in order to continue to spread this light. Care for the poor, the widowed, the orphaned, heal the sick, feed the hungry. But he did something that most of us would never dream of doing. He gave up his life. And in return, Christ only asks that we show love in a tangible way to those around us. Love one another. In this world, this is where I have my doubts. This world is so full of the evil one who creeps in and tells me I'm not good enough to do the work of Christ. It's the same doubt that overtakes me in every difficulty I face, every setback and sorrow. No matter how many times I've seen God's faithfulness in the past, each new dark day pushes me back to the edge of my seat. I hold my breath, waiting in suspense, helpless, wondering if grace could possibly come through this time. But God wants us to recognize that helplessness so that we don't lapse into a false sense of security. God wants us to humble ourselves and to find comfort in his mercy and grace. Humble ourselves in God's presence and continually pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance. It's the coming back together. How many times have we heard during Lent, turn back to God, get in a right relationship with him? When it comes to our relationship with God, words like sorry and sin and confess sit heavy with us. As we grieve about our mistakes, too often we view God in an aggressive, 
condescending role instead of remembering that even in his powerful authority, he is the great lover of our soul. Our relationship with Jesus is the one true love story of our life. The deepest, the most enduring, the most tender we have and will ever have. Anytime there's a crack in the relationship, it has been one-sided. We are the ones who limit God because of our lack of trust and our fear of stepping out of faith. The truth is that the things we do for God should be outside of our own ability and should be trusting in his supernatural ability. When we back away from dependence and trust in God, we are not living by faith. Faith begins with the understanding that somehow it is important to you and to God that you know each other. He cares. You care. So how's your faith? On a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the least amount, is it strong or is it a little on the weaker side? It's not always easy to put your faith in something you can't see or touch. But we seem to be able to put our faith in a lot of things in this world these days. For example, some of us who faced or will face surgery, we have faith in the surgeon to have the ability to make the right incision and to put us back together. We have faith in the anesthesiologist to put us to sleep and more importantly, to wake us up. But how would you rate your faith in God these days? I'm assuming most of you have some faith since you're sitting here today, worshiping with friends around you and online. Faith needs to be nurtured, but how do you work on that when you can't see or touch what you're trying to have faith in? Whether you realize it or not, faith grows in the presence of other Christians because there, God's caring is present. Christ Jesus is present. God's grace and mercy are present. So you're in the right place, but I'm sure it's not meant to stay within these walls. In our lesson from Ephesians, the Apostle Paul writes about God's rich mercy, his great love, and his saving grace. In a Christian's life, God comes first. There's nothing before him. And it's not just believing in Jesus, but rather living in Jesus. Our natural response to God, our belief in God, is doing good works. And your works will reveal Christ in your life. These good works are the fruit of our salvation, not the cause of it. Good works are not incidental to God's plan. They are instead an essential part of his redemption plan for each believer. Good works are demonstrated in gratitude, character, and actions. God wants us to be strong and courageous. He wants us to trust and obey his word. We need to be willing to attempt the things that are big enough that unless God steps in, we are sure to fail. This is the kind of trust and dependence he's looking for in our life. This is the faith he wants us to have. We will be the only one to ever walk away. That's why there will always be an ongoing need for our gracious Father to take us back to be in right relationship with him. 
Here are a few things to keep in your, the forefront of your minds when you're thinking about uh, your love relationship with God. Whether we're enjoying a moment of joy and success in our life or are in deep valley of sorrow, may we never forget that God is with us. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. God's not far off, not ever. He's right with us every moment of our lives. He is ours and we are his. Our faith is strengthened in the life of the church, in worship, in prayer, and in the Lord's Supper. Read God's word, pray without ceasing, worship the Lord our God, and partake of his body and blood as often as it is offered. Repent. It's the way Jesus makes it possible for our love story with him to be made right. Turn away from the sin and turn back to God. This is what leads us to reuniting with God. Confess, say the words, I'm sorry. God already knows the sin, but he wants us to acknowledge it in order to make things right. When we say we're sorry with a sincere heart, God forgives us. When we say we're sorry with a sincere heart, we are cleansed. So often we struggle with this cleansing part with God because it usually involves dredging things up again, examining ourselves and our sinful ways, and admitting that we are sinners. But to be cleansed means that sin is thoroughly washed away. Once that sin is confessed to God, he forgives us and washes the sin clean away. For our relationship to move on, to grow, and to flourish, we have to let the sin die with the past. Our love story has come back together because Jesus said it should, can, and will, not because we deserve it. It's in the coming back together with our Lord that is the sweetest, most important part because of the hope and the beauty and the restoration it brings. The greatest love story you are meant to have is the one with your creator, God. He is waiting for you to come to him today with a sincere heart. Ask God to teach you to cling to a hope that often feels far away, to give you the grace of memory, to remind you of the countless ways, both big and small, that God has already proven himself to you, to remind you that although hopeless times have come and gone, they have not they have never been the end of your story. That the one true love story of your life is your relationship with Jesus. He is always gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As I prepared for this sermon this week, I came upon a prayer to end each day. I tweaked it just a bit and I wanted to share it with you. So when you come up for communion, Please feel free to take one out of the basket. And as you read it this evening, maybe even before you go to bed, may it remind you of God's steadfast love, unending mercy, and amazing grace. Amen. Let us declare our faith. We'll use the words of the Nicene Creed. 
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. On the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sin, and I look for the resurrection of the dead in the life of the world to come. Amen. And let us pray. Loving and gracious God, your thoughts are above our thoughts. Your ways are above our ways. With you alone, there is no hiding, no more pretending. Help us to believe in your goodness. Help us to rest in your love for us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we do not see serpents on poles, nor your cloud by day or your pillar of fire by night, but your Holy Spirit does witness to our spirits. You hold before us the cross of Jesus. You speak to us in the Holy Scriptures. Help us to be a people who are grateful. Help us to know and present you to the world around us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for those situations and people who are especially upon our minds and hearts this day. Lord, for those who are celebrating birthdays this day and this week, thank you for sharing them with us. Lord, those who are going to be celebrating anniversaries this day or this week, thank you, Lord, for the love between husbands and wives, and Lord, help love win. Lord, for those who mourn the loss of those they've known and cared for, comfort them. For the hospitalized and those facing surgeries or tests, those experiencing pain and recovering, especially those we name before you now. Bless them and all of your people with a grace that transfigures all circumstances. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good heritage you have given us, most of all for the heritage of your Son. We thank you for the unbroken chain of faithful who have gathered around your word and sacrament century after century. We thank you for the congregation of Emmanuel Lutheran Church, for a past that gives us a longer perspective than our own experience, for a present moment full of insight and opportunities, Lord, for a future that's full of potential and promise. Help us to live lives worthy of such grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O oh Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.